In today's financial landscape, the concepts of beneficial ownership and politically exposed persons, or PEPs, have been critical focal points in the global fight against money laundering and terrorist financing. Jamaica, like many nations, has faced challenges in aligning its anti-money laundering AML, and counterfinancing of terrorism measures with international standards, particularly those set by the Financial Action Task Force. The country's recent listing for increased monitoring underscores the urgency of addressing these deficiencies. The intricate dance of legal, financial, and regulatory maneuvers around beneficial ownership in PEPs reveals the complexity of modern financial crime where the stakes are high not just for individual nations but for the integrity of global finance. Welcome to The Fully Compliant, a podcast by Transfer Compliance. Today we present Beneficial Ownership and PEPs in Jamaica. Joining us is Fabian Sanchez, a seasoned compliance professional with over 15 years of experience in the financial and regulatory environment. Fabian's expertise spans anti-money laundering and counter-financing of terrorism and management, making him the perfect guide as we navigate the complexities of beneficial ownership and PEPs. Hello, Fabian, and welcome. Hi, Sarah. Thank you for having me. As I mentioned, you have over 15 years of experience in the financial and regulatory environment. Could you share with our listeners your journey into the field of compliance and anti-money laundering? So my professional journey really um, would have started in the credit union movement, and that was my first exposure to the era of compliance. Then I transitioned to one of Jamaica's two financial services regulator, the Financial Services Commission, where I was in the investigation and enforcement department. And then later I transitioned to the private sector, where I joined a local bank in the capacity of compliance manager, which had oversight of um, email um, CFC responsibilities. And subsequently also transitioned to the monetary side of the business, which also um, so I'm focusing on email CFP um, responsibilities also. Jamaica has been a jurisdiction under increased monitoring by the Financial Action Task Force since 2020. And most recently, it was listed in the October 2023 publication of what externally is known as the Gray List. Reflecting on Jamaica's recent listing by the FATF for increased monitoring, in your opinion, what are the critical gaps in Jamaica's AML framework? Well, certainly we can use the FATF, which is the Financial Action Task Force publication, to measure what those gaps were for Jamaica. So if we look at the June 2023 publication, it indicated that we had strategic deficiencies in ensuring adequate risk-based supervision in all designated non-financial businesses and professional sectors, demonstrating that accurate and up-to-date basic and beneficial ownership information is available on a timely basis to competent authorities, and effective, proportionate, and dissuasive sanctions are applied. Uh, if we look, too, at the October 23 publication that we mentioned, those two errors broadly were also covered um, by the FATF as the same errors of deficiencies that Jamaica needed to complete its um, action plan um, in order to remedy if we come to 2024, the FATF would have published or updated its publication in relation to Jamaica on January, in January 2024. And if we look at the errors which would have been highlighted both in June 2023 and October 2023, 
we see that the narrative has changed in relation to Jamaica and our compliance with regard to these two eras. So we can see that Jamaica um, has made great strides in remedying those eras of strategic deficiencies that the party would have identified in June 2023 and October 2023 in party's latest publication in January of 2024. And I think it's fair to say that that argues well for Jamaica seeing its exit from the FATF greatly, possibly when the FATF, the FATF next meets to consider overall um, Jamaica's measures in relation to addressing these strategic deficiencies. So it's a positive um, note to enter 2024 in for Jamaica because by all indication, it appears that we would be on our way off the grilling. You touched on a concept that I would like to explore further, which is beneficial ownership. We know it refers to the natural persons who ultimately own or control a legal entity or arrangement beyond mere legal title. This concept is pivotal for understanding the layers of ownership that can mask illicit activities and obscure the true sources of funds. And similarly, we have the PEPs, the politically exposed persons, who hold or have held a prominent public function and are subject to heightened scrutiny due to their position's potential misuse for corruption and illicit financial flows. What relationship do you find between Jamaica's AML framework, beneficial ownership, and PEPs? Well, I think there is a, uh, a clear nexus between the three. If we look at it from the perspective, for example, of the perception of corruption, um, recently in Jamaica, and we're now in the, the season of the local government elections, pollsters in their polling of citizens and asking them, for example, what sectors are deemed to be most corrupt. And largely those poll results have indicated that politicians are perceived to be more corrupt and secondly, police officers. So if we take it from that perspective of the perception of corruption and the, the nexus between even corruption and um, politicians as perceived by the populace, then we can see how important the whole issue of beneficial ownership in, in relation to politically exposed persons, but also their associates. And their associates become very important because if we look at, for example, a politician who is involved with in business relationships, for example, with his associates or partnering for some economic venture, then it becomes important to, to know that entity registered, if registered, for example, with the local company's office, is linked to a person who is politically exposed. Because the politically exposed person has high visibility and high access to state resources, then the misuse of those state resources becomes a point of questioning, or could become a point of questioning, whereby the politician may seek to siphon off resources that come from the, the government to his own or his associate's own benefit in, in, in whatever they are doing. And so it, is, it becomes important to know who is behind, for example, established companies um, that seek to carry out any economic end, because knowing that from a due diligence perspective, especially for financial institutions who might be banking these entities, allows them to be able to, for example, assess the risk involved in serving these customers and in so doing so they are able to better monitor and manage these relationships to ensure that their own exposure 
in relation to any possibility of an AML-CFC infraction is mitigated. Recently, Fabian, you published a paper that explores the issues surrounding beneficial ownership in the context of the Integrity Commission's report, and it's concerned that Marissa Durimpo-Philibert, the Member of Parliament and House Speaker, made false statements and statutory declarations filed by her. Can you explain, in a nutshell, what this case is about? The, the, the case of Mrs. Durimpo-Philibert could be coined as the case of the 2016 Mercedes event. So, for context, the Interpretive Commission of Jamaica is that arm of government charged with investigating or keeping public officials accountable. And public officials, which include politicians, which include politically exposed persons, are obligated to, to file on an annual basis statutory declaration, which highlights their assets and liabilities. And so, in this particular case, the Interpretive Commission, in reviewing the House Speaker, the former House Speaker and Member of Parliament's declaration seems to have uncovered a 2015 Mercedes-Benz registered in her name, but which was not declared in her statutory declaration. And so they seem to have embarked on an investigation which seemed to ventilate this particular asset that was on the registry, but not declared. This case sheds light on the complexities of beneficial ownership. Could you explain why understanding the true beneficial owner of certain assets is crucial in AML efforts? Why is it important? Because persons can use legal vehicles to disguise the ownership of their assets. And in so doing, it becomes very hard for law enforcement, for example, to trace and identify what assets might be owned by a particular person who they may be investigating. And further feel these kinds of arrangements that seem to put a veil over the ownership of assets can be used for illegitimate means. And if you look at it also from the perspective of financial institutions, again, and financial institutions are one of the key elements in this fight of anti-money laundering and the counter-financing of terrorism. Because a lot of what happens, a lot of the reporting, the monitoring of customer activity happens in the financial institution. And if a financial institution is going to be able, for example, to introduce proper monitoring and reporting and for suspicious activity, when it comes on to things like legal vehicles, a company that is registered, which they are banking, then they need to know who are the principals, the shareholders behind this, this company. Do they involve politically exposed persons or other, other high-risk persons? Do they involve, for example, persons who are subject to sanctions that they really would have to think twice about banking and offering these services to? So there's a lot of burden that is placed on financial institutions, particularly in relation to the identification of beneficial ownership. And it becomes important that they have access to the repositories that hold this information so that they can also enhance their own due diligence processes and ensure that their compliance and their monitoring is fit for purpose in executing and fulfilling their own obligations under AML CFP laws. You've mentioned how improved identification of beneficial ownership can aid Jamaica's fight against money laundering, but I'm interested to know 
if there is a model or approach from other jurisdictions that Jamaica could consider adopting in its own fight against money laundering. We tend to look a lot to the United Kingdom and their way of doing things, especially in relation to poker laws, for to see how, what we can take from them. And I think, in large measure, the UK has a company's house, which seeks to do similarly what the Jamaica company's office does. And I, I would want to think that a part of the whole process of the amendments that would have occurred with the local companies act to give evidence to the transference of beneficial ownership and legal arrangements registry, those amendments that were taken into account um, would have also looked at the example of the UK as well as other Commonwealth jurisdictions that would have already implemented these particular measures or have a registry in place that can see to the beneficial ownership of legal arrangement um, in respect of beneficial ownership. Fabian, considering Caribbean's unique financial and regulatory landscape, how feasible do you think it is to implement a robust beneficial ownership framework across the region? Across the Caribbean, I think one of the things that we can exploit is the uniqueness in relation to a lot of the, the countries within the Caribbean being former colonies of the United Kingdom and also now being part, part of the Commonwealth, having that commonality of a legal system would be one element that I think that we can exploit to see what synergy what we could arrive at in relation to how our laws are structured and the level of cooperation that we have that gives each jurisdiction access to our own registries on beneficial ownership. One of the hurdles that we'll have to overcome, though, is that of this whole concept of banking secrecy and secrecy laws that ex might exist in some jurisdictions, right? Um, I don't want to name any particular country, no, but we know that within the Caribbean, there are jurisdictions that might prevent the open sharing of beneficial ownership information. So that is one aspect that we would certainly have to overcome in the interest of international cooperation and creating an environment within which, for example, maybe our company's office of Jamaica can speak to the company's office of any other territory within the region and have access to their database of beneficial ownership information. So that if a company in Jamaica, for example, is onboarding a customer who is linked to a company that has a presence in an offshore jurisdiction within the Caribbean, for example, that we will have ready access to that information that will assist us in executing our own due diligence and enhanced due diligence. So it becomes important that level of collaboration in the interest of fighting um, transnational crime. Because ultimately, this whole concept of unveiling the beneficial owners of legal arrangements, for example, goes to the heart of assisting law enforcement in combating financial crime. Fabian, please tell our listeners where they can follow you for more information and insights. Well, they can find me on LinkedIn, Fabian Sanchez. Uh, they can also follow or listen to my podcast, which I started in August of last year, called Email Connection. It's available on Spotify, uh, Google Podcast, and on acast.com, which is the platform that is used to host them. Uh, my publication, when I do write, is also published on my LinkedIn page, as well as 
AML fundamentals or to unlooping. Well, thank you, Fabian, for joining us today in this very thought-provoking conversation. It was my pleasure, and thank you for the invite and all the best. And to those of you who are listening, thank you. If you like this episode, please share it with your friends and colleagues. Make sure to follow Transport Compliance on LinkedIn, Facebook, and X, formerly known as Twitter, for more episodes, blogs, and content. Until next time.